All right, welcome guys to what we call our gathering on Wednesday nights. I'm so excited to see so many people introduce themselves to new people, making new friends. Make sure you're at a table with at least three or four people. Get to know even more friends. You'll get to know each other during our table talk. I mean, this is such an awesome night. I love when we're able to get together and share around these tables, eat some food together, always delicious when Sally cooks, and just have fun. I love coming to church and having fun. And there's just a, a, a word that I'm getting right now that I think we need to continue on from all tonight is that Jesus is the answer. That was shown in our communion. It was shown in our worship, and it's going to carry through with our word tonight. Jesus is the answer. Amen? We're gonna get we're gonna get excited tonight, so you guys gotta start warming up right now. <laughs> but we're gonna continue on with our look at the Gospel of John, and we're gonna close off chapter eleven. We've dealt the last two weeks with Lazarus and how he's gone from, you know, dying, and so we've dealt with a lot of death and setting up for it. And today we get to look for a little bit of hope. So if you don't know the story. There's a good ending. If you know the story, we're going to make it fun, so it seems like something new. But if we take a look back at what we've gone through the last two weeks, is Jesus has a friend named Lazarus, and he's became deathly ill, and he has sisters named Martha and Mary. And Jesus has been away, and while Jesus was away, Lazarus got ill. They sent a note over to him like, hey, you know, Jesus, you're pretty cool. Maybe you can come back. And and do what you do. And I'm going to paraphrase just to fit it all in. Jesus pretty much said, don't worry, I've got this. I'm going to hang out for a little bit. I'll, I'll be there. I'll take care of business. But I'm not going to come right now. And as Jeremy said last week, when Jesus did go on his journey and he arrived, by the time he was there... Lazarus had been in his grave for four days. So four days is pretty dead to me. It's not really kicking anymore. But we get closer to where we are tonight. So this is a theme I want to continue going on. So we we know that we're dealing with Jesus and Lazarus. The people have all gathered around this death and everything that goes along with death. And Mary is at Jesus' feet Weeping. And I want to just go back to a verse from last week that is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it shows such emotion. In verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. I love that he uses the word anger. At this moment, because we have a Savior that's so wrapped up with us. That yes, he's sad that his, his friend is having to go through this, but he's, he has anger because he just wants us to get it so much. He wants us to believe. He wants us to get this connection with him. And he gets a little bit angry. I know when I have all the right answers, because I do, and people question me, and then I'm right, I'm like, ah, oh, I told you, See? You just had to, to trust. So Jesus has this little bit of anger starting to swell up in him. 
And then the, the icing on the cake for the anger that he's going through is we're going to have it up on the screen from the end of verse 37 from last week. When people are noticing that Jesus is, is weeping alongside and he also has a little bit of anger, it says, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So he's already facing a little bit of anger from people going through all these emotions and, and not believing into him. And then someone goes and shoots off this statement. Couldn't he have just kept Lazarus from dying? What do we have to do to actually trust Jesus? What has to happen to us where Jesus is the first one we turn to? Where Jesus is able to do what he is meant to do in our lives? Well, let's see why he didn't keep Lazarus from dying. So if you guys are able to stand, please stand with me. We're all caught up to where we're going to start tonight in chapter 11. And we're going to be in verses 38 and 39. It says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this chance just to gather in your name tonight. I ask you to start opening up some things that we may have been hiding under the rug, building up boundaries, trying to keep to ourselves. I ask you to just soften our hearts. Let you start working inside of us. Bring the dead to life, Lord. We lift this up to you. It's your powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we come to this point of the text where Jesus has a little bit of anger. And he goes, roll the stone away. I could just imagine him standing there with the, the power behind him, knowing what's going to happen. Roll this stone away. And we have a picture of what it looks like. There's a bunch of different pictures you can find online. This is the, the roundest rock I can get, so I'm symmetrical, so I like this. But why is it when we face something that we don't have an answer to, something really tough, something unexplainable, something we may not be proud of, we then start to put a barrier up. We start to maybe step a little bit back and harden our hearts. Say we roll a stone in front of us to not let other people see what we're going through. That we've completely closed ourselves off from letting the outside world in, but on top of that, letting Jesus in. Why, when we need him the most, do we continue to set up our guard so that we think that if I'm going to be stuck with it, I, I can deal with it on my own. I don't need anyone's help. I can figure this out on my own. We put that stone right in front of us so all that we're able to then see is just ourselves and to see what we're facing with our own two eyes, going against it just with ourselves. The times that we roll that stone in front of us is the time that we need to say, 
that's enough, and roll it right the other way. It's going to be tough. Tonight's going to have to deal with a lot of application where it's going to take us doing something on our part to make it start to work. Jesus is only going to be able to do so much. We have to be receptive to do the rest of it. So this is where we're going to start with our table talk tonight. We're going to start with this stone image freshly in our minds. So the table talk is, do you have a stone that needs to be rolled away? Do you need to let something go in your life? Is something hindering you from doing more for God, for your family, for your friends? What barriers are you putting up where you're not letting Jesus in your lives to heal you and also heal the family that's alongside you? So take some time, answer. I threw a couple questions so you guys could get a good amount of time talking to each other. Try to cover them all if you can. But get this stone starting to get rolled away. So how many of us have something in our hearts or something going on in our lives that we need to roll the stone away to to let Jesus start in the situation? And if you're not currently in that situation right now, you probably had to face something like that previously in your past. We're constantly going to be facing things that we are not going to have answers for that are going to be bigger than us. And that's a time when we have the bigger solution to come into our problem. We need to start rolling away the stone. He is the one that can bring the dead back to life. Any situation he can make away from. He can heal the sick. He can bring us back. Jesus is the answer. Amen. You could say, well, I've been battling this addiction for, let's keep it in a text. Let's say, let's keep the number four. Four years, I've been battling this addiction, and it's just, it stinks now. This is who I am. I've been battling this, this fear that I can't be loved, so it's going to stay inside of me, and I'm not going to be able to, to let that out. So I'm going to roll up this stone so no one else can be a part of my life. I know I'm someone that... I used to hold on to grudges really bad. So I would hold these different grudges within my heart and I'd roll that stone up and it would just fester inside of me that I'd begin to resent different people, just not even want to see them. And it just changed who I was in a person. I became more angry. And the moment that I began to humble myself and let the stone away and let Jesus in is the moment he can start to heal and transform from the inside so we're able to start changing the things. There's enough hurdles for Jesus to get to us already. Why are we adding one more thing to try to close them off? Jesus is the answer. This is something to remember every single day that we're walking through in our lives on this earth, that Jesus is the answer. Whenever you're facing something difficult, all you have to remember is that Jesus is the answer. But it's not just having Jesus come into our lives and physically remove the stone and then start to transform us. If we notice in the text, he just stands there and he says, hey, roll the stone aside. He has them roll it, this, us, this stone aside because he wants us to have some action in this. We're not going to start to change if we're just letting Jesus do everything for us. We have to be ready 
to let him in. We physically have to say, it's time, I'm ready to let this happen. It's a two-way street to let Jesus start working. As we go on with our text in verse 40, Since Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Jesus had to continue saying things and performing these miracles so that people would actually pay attention and start to believe him. It's unfortunate that he had to perform so many miraculous signs so people would finally start to to grab a hold of what he was trying to say. He knows how we are. He knows how stubborn we are that some of us, we don't believe it until we see it. There are some of us that read it and we're like, Jesus, okay, let's just do whatever you say. But other people, we're just going to keep one hand on that stone before they rolled away and they're like, well, is, is he really going to be able to do something? Because I'm going to hold on to it just in case as a safety net until they see him and then we're able to start believing. He said it in chapter 4, what we covered, I don't know, it's probably two months ago now. This is the never-ending book. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? This is what Jesus knows. He knows that people have to see what's going on. So I want another show of hands. How many people have seen God at work in their lives or other people's lives around them? Amen to that. And how many people got more on fire or curious about our Savior from those instances happening in their lives? Yeah. It's exciting, right? When you see someone get healed, I'm so excited. When I've seen people in my family get healed from things they shouldn't be healed from, I'm so on fire for Jesus, that's why I'm up here. I want to shout to everyone, look at what he's able to do once you let him into our lives. He's able to do these things. This is something we need to believe in. If we would just believe, we could see God's glory. If you need something to believe in, I guarantee if you believe in Jesus, it's going to be better for you than anything else you could ever put your belief in. Anything you look to, look to Jesus, and I guarantee your life will start to change. Now, there are others who desperately need Jesus but do not know him or choose to look away from him. But when we express our faith... When things are going on all around us, that's really exciting to see him start to change stuff. Even the person with the hardest heart will begin to get a little curious of what's going on, that who this is that we're following and what they're missing out on. So as a side note of encouragement, I want us to let that fire be lit under us. Go out, spread that gospel, the word, to let other people see what he's able to do. But one of the other cool things that it says in this verse, he thanks God for hearing him. And this is important for all of us to know, that even Jesus is saying this, thank you for hearing me, you always hear me. Thank you for hearing me, God. Even when it seems that we're not being heard, 
he hears us. Do not give up. Do not just roll that stone in front and say that's the end of it. Know that he is listening to us. He cares for us. And he wants to work in us. We just have to believe. That Jesus is surrounded by people that have just experienced the death. And even in the midst of this struggle, he's able to step back and say, thank you, God. Sometimes that's what it takes. Is in the worst circumstance, when we start praising our Savior, is when people can start to be transformed right next to you. As we go on in verses 43 and 44. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now imagine this scene. I watch paranormal shows. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. And so what they have are these little EMT devices that they're trying to get the electro-micro-transmitter going on. And they'll stay there overnight and they'll record everything and they're watching it the next day. And if you're seeing this little orb, this dust particle fly around, you're like, that's it. Wow, we just saw something amazing. Imagine this scene. These people, whether they believe in Jesus or not, are standing there. And he's saying, hey, move this stone aside. And out comes this guy in zombie clothes. He's a mummy. <laughs> it's a grave cloth. He's dressed in what you get dressed in when you're going to have eternal peace. And he comes walking out of this cave or grave, whatever you want to call it, in front of everyone. That is something that you cannot explain. That is something that you're excited about. It's not this little dust particle. They get to see a person actually that was dead walking out of an unexplainable situation. Their life was over, and Jesus is proving that it's just beginning. That is amazing to me. The death is no match for Jesus. And the other cool part about this, and sometimes we just glance over it, is Lazarus is up, and he's walking out. And he says, unwrap him and let him go. He wants to unwrap him. He wants to get whatever was defining him at that moment. He was defined as a dead man to take that off so he can have a brand new start to whatever he is. That that old circumstances isn't who he is going to be ever again. The dead is gone and he is able to live now. So he doesn't want anything around that that says, well, I'm still kind of dead. No, with Jesus, he is alive and he wants everyone to know and see that. In verse 45, it says, Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And this is crazy to me. This is, this is shocking. So they just experienced a man coming out of a grave. And walking, someone that was dead came out of a grave, and not everyone believed what happened. Many of the people 
who were with Mary believed. I mean, some people, even with seeing this, did not believe in Jesus and what he was able to do. I mean, I told you, if I saw that, I would be like, did you see that? And I'd be running all over the place. Did you see that? And telling everyone something different. Like, did you see what just happened? It's like, what is holding you back right now? And I would have just told him, you can be healed. He just healed a dead guy. And you run to the next town. What did you see? Did you hear what Jesus did? But some people just weren't ready to have that in their lives. They still wanted to close them out for whatever reason. Only a majority started to believe at that time. And some of them went to the Pharisees to tell him what Jesus had done. So this is our second table talk tonight. Why do you suppose that when God works, either people will see it and believe or see it and try to debunk it or turn even further away from it? Sometimes when we see something amazing, we can be those people that are on fire and just running with it. But some people, no matter what, want to be skeptical and try to tear it apart. So talk with your table. Why do you suppose that when God works, either people will see it and believe it or see it and try to debunk it? You guys got a few minutes for this one. You know, whenever I see a question like this, I try to make it really personal about what, what if this was someone in my life that isn't accepting Jesus in their life. As someone I love dearly and someone I care about and I want to know that they're going to be okay once their time comes. I want to know that they accept him in their lives. What do I do in this, this moment? I'll just continue to pray for them and talk to them whenever they're ready about anything going on in their lives. Things that have happened to me or people that I know. Where they're able to see the wonders working in their lives that their hearts will be softened at a certain time when Jesus knows that their hearts will be ripe and you'll be able to come into their lives and they won't want to debunk it anymore. So if you know those people, just pray for them and keep reaching out whenever they need it. Kill them with kindness until it's time to, to bring them the gospel. <laughs> but in verse 47, it says, And the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. So obviously these people are starting to take a closer look of what was going on. They've heard Jesus going on and healing people. They've taken notice already from previous encounters. And now they've brought it to this high council saying, what are we going to do? So they call everyone together. And they start to hatch up a scheme of a way to get Jesus from doing what he is here to do. In verse 49 through 52, it says, Caiaphas, who was high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophecy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. 
Caiaphas was a high priest. He's held this title for about 16 years. Highly intelligent man. He knew the ins and outs. He knew the laws. And he was known to rule by dropping a hammer from time to time. He wanted to keep what the Romans did from what he did separate. As a Sadducee, he collaborated with the Romans. And he's brought this council, the Sanhedrin, forward to go over what to do with Jesus. The Sanhedrin was a supreme court of the Jewish nation. So this issue is huge. This isn't just what we talked about where they wanted to stone Jesus to death. Now this, is, this case is the highest priority and they want to bring a stop to it. What's at stake is not the truth. The goal of the council is not to find the truth. The goal of the council is now for survival. And to keep themselves running the show and in power. In verses 50 through 52. It says, you don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. And I want to say it one more time, just so we pay as close attention to it. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophecy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. He was led to prophesy over this. In other words, God brought these words to Caiaphas at this moment to speak into his life of what actually is going to happen with God's words coming through to him to let people know what was going on. At one level, there was Caiaphas' words and his meaning. And if you're able to stay with me on this, it's also God's words and his meaning at this time. And at, these, at this exact time with these words, these are the words that sealed Jesus' fate in history. This sealed Jesus' death by Caiaphas bringing this forward. He wanted Jesus dead and out of the way. And so he spoke these words to bring it forward. God wanted to sacrifice Jesus for all of us. Not just so he could die, but so that he could rise. That he could defeat death and reign forever. So that's why God spoke these words. For his ultimate plan moving forward. The true power of what Jesus was able to do. Therefore, the death of Jesus was not merely just a tragic set of events but God turning us in for our good. It was a loving set of events which God planned for each and every one of us. He unleashed it. And this is all very familiar to the high priest. It was prophesied long ago. He should have known the scripture that was talked about in Isaiah. It would have been up there. There it is. 
He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped. So we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. This is a savior that was always looked for and yet they ignored. This is who Caiaphas was now trying to stop. This is who he had at his fingertips and let him go. The one that could band everyone together, the only one that could renew this covenant, the one that could wipe us clean, Jesus Christ. We're almost done, so you guys are doing good. In verse 53, so from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. At this time, like I said, this changed everything. There was now a death warrant out for Jesus. So he had to go the back roads with his buddies and stop his public ministry. As we close out with our scripture... It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration and many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before the Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, what do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. So many men from all over came to this ceremony. And some got there early so they could purify themselves before the Passover. To clean themselves up before this celebration. And little did they know that the person they were actually looking for was the one that would purify them all in the end. This is the fourth Passover celebration of this time. And this is the last one that Jesus would share a meal with his disciples. This is our Savior that we continue to look for that gets ignored, that gets pushed aside, that we put anything up in front of him to stop before he's able to start working in our lives. I know it's going to be scary for some of us to get completely vulnerable and let him in. That's why we keep that safety net there is we're just not ready to deal with all the consequences that's going to happen for what we've been doing in our lives. But I got to tell you, when we let it happen, Jesus will ultimately make it better for us. Our Savior has brought so much love and care for us. The relationship is there. He wants to make things happen. He wants to heal. He wants to bring the dead to life. It's what he was brought to do. 
And I want to close with the scripture that we're going to put up on the screen because I think it's important that we need to be reminded over and over, if Jesus is the answer, we need to know who Jesus is. And this scripture spells it out, who Jesus is and what he came to do. So that I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John chapter 10. Another one. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For I delivered you unto you first all that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father? Can I get an amen for that scripture? This is Jesus. This is why he's the answer. Because he was talked about and prophesied about so far ahead of time that even in the midst of people turning their back on him and people trying to disprove him, he still moved forward knowing that he had us waiting for him. He didn't want to lose us. He doesn't want the stone there. He doesn't want you stopped with what you continue to think you're stuck with. He wants you to know how loved, how valuable you are, and that's why he went through what he went through. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your everlasting love, what you endured for us. We thank you for all the wonders that you showed just so people could get a glimpse of you so we can continue to learn from the past, that we can continue to just become on fire for you and continue walking forward. I ask you to just give us the courage to let go of whatever has been holding us back from completely letting you in. I know there's people that need ultimate healing in here, Lord, and it's you. You are the one that's going to heal us. So I ask you to just enter our hearts. We love you and we thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.